Welcome to the Daily Grind Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Colin Morgan. Listen, are you tired of not living a fulfilling life? Do you believe you deserve more? Do you want more? Is it finally your time? If yes, then stick around. I welcome you to the Daily Grind. Today's podcast is brought to you by BookNotes. BookNotes allows you to learn more from best-selling nonfiction books you can read or listen to in less than 15 minutes. How amazing is that? I am willing to bet that you have a stack of ever-growing books in your house that you just haven't got to yet. Listen, I get it. Me too. I love to read, but I don't always have the hours in the day to sit down, read, and finish a bunch of books. But I have found that the more I consume and learn, the better decisions I tend to make. Using BookNotes this past week has been such a great way to ensure that I not only read, but I learn valuable information that I can use in my life and business. It's great when I'm either walking, driving, or even when I'm working. I find that oftentimes when I read a book even, I miss some of those core ideas and principles that the book was created upon. Whereas using BookNotes allows and ensures that I get all of those golden nuggets out of each book I read or listen to and better understand those core ideas. New books are added every week, which means there's more content than ever and it's never stale. You always get new summaries. And the best part about book notes, everyone, is how affordable it is. The cost to consume 100 books and continuously buy new books is crazy, but with book notes, it's so cheap. You guys have to check this out. It is amazing. I have seen nothing like it. To download the book notes app, all you have to do, everyone, is either go to the show notes section. I would highly suggest you visit the show notes section of this podcast by visiting dailygrindpodcast.com. Or go right now to booknotes.page.link forward slash daily grind. Again, booknotes.page.link forward slash daily grind. Or everyone, again, visit the show notes section of this page by going to dailygrindpodcast.com. Give this a shot, everyone, and download the Book Notes app today. Today's podcast is brought to you by QuickBooks. People ask all the time, how do you run such a lean business? And we want to know, how do people run such a lean business? Listen, the answer is we keep our finger on the pulse of our business at all times. Managing the overall health of your business starts with tracking your finances. And with QuickBooks Online, 
you can track everything you need no matter where you are. Whether you're looking to create and send invoices on the go or track income and expenses effortlessly and even track your mileage, QuickBooks Online gives you all the tools you need as an entrepreneur to make it happen. Plus, being able to work in the cloud makes collaborating with your accountant and or bookkeeper, whoever you're working with, seamless because there is no passing files back and forth. Now, that's what I call as a business owner peace of mind. It's no wonder over 5.6 million business small business owners use QuickBooks Online. If you are ready yourself to save time, money, and get organized, just visit quickbooks.ca forward slash DGB. Right now, you can save 50% or more on QuickBooks Online, but this is a limited time offer, everyone. For daily grind listeners only. So go ahead and visit quickbooks.ca forward slash DGB. Again, quickbooks.ca forward slash DGB. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by special guest Eric Kapitulik. Eric was born and raised in Thompson, Connecticut, and attended the United States Naval Academy. While there, he was a four-year varsity letter winner and played on three NCAA Division I lacrosse tournament teams. He graduated in 95 and went on to serve as both an infantry officer and special operations officer with First Force Renaissance Company, 1st Marine Division. He left active duty after eight years of service and graduated from the University of Chicago's Graduate School of Business in 2005. Eric has been an extensively involved with the force renaissance scholarship fund which he established for the children of six marines who died in a helicopter crash while serving under his command in an effort to raise money for that scholarship fund eric has completed numerous marathons eight ironman triathlons the canadian death race ultra marathon the eco challenge the american burke biner ski marathon is also summited five of the seven summits, the highest peaks on each of the seven continents, Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount, Mount McKinley, Mount Aconcagua, probably butchered that, Mount Elbrist, and most recently, Mount Everest. He is now the founder and CEO of The Program, a leadership development and team building company that works with collegiate and professional athletic teams and corporations throughout North America. Everyone, you are not going to want to miss today's episode. Be sure you have a pen, piece of paper, sit back, and really dive deep in today's interview with Eric Kapitulik. Enjoy. Well, Eric Kapitulik, welcome to The Daily Grind, my friend. How are you? Colin, thanks so much for having me. I'm fired up. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm great, Eric. Uh, Eric, for people who don't know you, being first introduced to you, um, if you wouldn't mind just kind of speaking as to a little bit of who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, thanks, Colin. Uh, well, as I said, I'm Eric Kapitulik. I was fortunate enough to attend the U.S. Naval Academy. I was born and raised in, in a very small town in Thompson, Connecticut. Grew up on a farm. Uh, very fortunate, as I was saying, to attend the U.S. Naval Academy. I played college lacrosse there. I graduated. I served eight years in the United States Marine Corps as both an infantry officer and then in Marine Corps Special Operations as a platoon commander with First Force Reconnaissance Company. While serving in Force Recon, my Marines and I were involved in a helicopter crash that killed six of the 10 of us on board. We might talk about that a little bit later, but uh, in an effort to raise money for the children of my deceased teammates, 
I started to compete in the world's longest endurance events and climb the world's tallest mountains, things that I already enjoyed doing, but now I figured I could do them and hopefully through doing them, raise a little bit of money to send the children of my deceased teammates to college one day. So since then, I served for eight years on active duty. I left active duty. I attended the University of Chicago Graduate School of Business. That was a dozen years ago. At, when I graduated, I founded the program. The program is a team building and leadership development company. We have one mission, develop better leaders and create more cohesive teams. That's all we do, develop better leaders and create more cohesive teams. We do so, we have the privilege of doing so with more than 160 collegiate and professional athletic teams and corporations throughout North America. During that time, in an effort to raise money for, the co for that college scholarship fund for the children of my Marines, I've competed in and completed eight Ironman triathlons. I've adventure raced from one side of the Kalahari Desert in South Africa to the other, uh, across Costa Rica. I've raced across Alaska. I've summited five of the seven summits, the tallest peaks in each of the seven continents. A few years ago, I summited Mount Everest. Through all of that, Colin, Nothing is more important, and I take no greater pride in being the husband to my wife and the father to my eight-year-old son, Axel, and two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Anastasia. Wow, good for you, man. Lots to dive into. Where I kind of want to start is, you know, you went to university, you're a student athlete there, played lacrosse. What got you into wanting to um, get in the military? Yeah. I don't think if I don't know if there's really a typical if you if you asked a hundred military guys yeah. and girls, you know, men and women, I, I don't know if they would you might see some overlap for, for why they why they joined. For me, I attended the US Naval Academy, I attended college really to play lacrosse. And I attended the Naval Academy because it was different. It was a challenge. And I didn't know I could do it. And, and really that aspect, doing things that I don't know I can do, is something that's always fueled me. And, and it's been a constant throughout my entire life. That's why I, attend, I attended the U.S. Naval Academy. Now, lacrosse would not keep you at the Naval Academy. The, once you get there, if you don't end up having this innate desire and almost need to serve something bigger than yourself, you will leave one of the service academies. That's, I may have attended and chosen to attend the Naval Academy because of lacrosse. It didn't keep me there. What kept me there was once, you know, setting foot on campus and yeah. being there, this need and desire, as I said, to, 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 serve our country. And I was fortunate enough and really privileged enough uh, to do it as an officer in the Marine Corps. It's amazing. So throughout your time, obviously going through that, um, and also you, you served for eight years, like what are some of the biggest lessons or takeaways from that time that you spent there? What are some things that you kind of take with you into doing what you're doing now? Yeah, there's a, there's a few things. Let, and by few, I mean a thousand. <laughs> I bet, yeah. But let me tell you some of the, the I, I discussed earlier 
the helicopter crash that my Marines and I were involved in. Yeah. Something that I take away from it, and it never leaves me. I think about it constantly, every day. But rather than the helicopter crash, something that I use every single day as a leader now of, of my company is we endured that helicopter crash on a training mission during a practice mission prior to our deployment to the Persian Gulf. Well, we still had to do that practice mission and get kind of signed off on it, for lack of a better term for your listeners, mm-hmm. by higher authority before we were going to be allowed to do it when we go overseas. So we have to do it here in training. Well, one month, less than a month after that helicopter crash, we had to redo that same training mission. But I had a full leg cast on um, and I I simply couldn't do it uh, physically. So the commanding general had said, hey, you know, Captain Capitulic, ride in my helicopter with me. Well, his helicopter was going to be a hundred feet over the, over the ship that we were practicing taking over. But my Marines, their helicopter was going to go and do the same exact mission that they did three weeks prior when that helicopter hit the side of the ship, flipped over and entered the Pacific ocean. So when he offered me to be in his helicopter, I readily agreed and said, Oh, Hey, that's a great idea, sir. I'll, I would love to. Mm-hmm. Well, the night before that mission, I didn't sleep. I just laid in my bed, tossing and turning and Colin, I was afraid. I mean, scared. And I was scared because I knew that the reason why I so readily agreed to get in the general's helicopter was because I didn't want to get back in the helicopter, the same helicopter and do the same mission that I had barely escaped with my life three weeks prior. And I was afraid that I was going to just accept going in the general's helicopter. Well, we're on the we're on our ship about to launch to go do this training mission to take over another ship. And I'm in the general's helicopter. And in the last moment, I said, sir, I can't do this. I need to get on that helicopter. <clears throat> it's tough for me to say without getting emotional about it. So I got off of that helicopter, <clears throat> crutched on over to the helicopter that my Marines were in. And I got on that helicopter and I talked to the pilots over the headsets really quickly saying, hey, look, after my Marines fast rope down onto the ship, the the helicopter's gonna come into a 60 foot hover over the Mm -hmm. ship we're practicing taking over. They're gonna kick a rope out and slide down that rope, fast rope onto the ship. Look, I can't do that. I got a full leg cast on. I mean, it's physically impossible to do that. I said, hey, look, once my Marines go, would it be okay, just set the ship down so I can walk off the back and at least be there? And they said, yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> walking on to the, to the helicopter th- that afternoon and seeing the look on my Marines' faces that they knew, they knew in that moment that they could trust that I was never gonna ask them to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. 
that has stuck with me my entire life. It will never leave me. And I tell my, and I remind myself of it every single day. Don't ever tell your Marines, don't ever tell your people to do something you're not willing to do yourself. That doesn't mean you can do everything or that you should do everything. Yeah. That's called micromanaging. But don't ask them to do something that you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. That's such a great lesson, right? Like, thank you for sharing that story. I think a lot of people, it really is impactful and a great leadership lesson too, right? Like if you can't tell people to go pick up shit, if you're not willing to do it yourself. And I think so much, we see that so often. I think that's why people get frustrated with their leaders and with their bosses and why they want to branch off and do something on their own because they're sick and tired of it. They, they're, I would 100% agree, Colin, not, not that you're asking for my agreement, but uh, oh, I, I could not agree more, number one, or number two, which goes hand in hand to that, or their bosses allow other members of their team to do so. Yes. So there's, even if the boss doesn't do that, there's other people on their team that are doing so that, well, hey, use your, you know, work hard. Well, there's other members of the team that don't work hard. Yeah, but they're allowed to remain members of the team. Mm. And, and they'll leave because of that. I mean, meaning yeah. the people who are working hard will leave because of that too. What was the, what was the reason after you served eight years? What was the reason for, for starting this business? Why leadership? Like, why is that so deeply impactful to you? Why did you want to make this stamp on, on the world and companies and with sports teams? Yeah. You, you know, Colin, I... I get asked that a lot of now as we've grown, right? And, and we're out there and people see us. I can't tell how often people will say, man, Eric, God, I see you guys everywhere. Like, yeah. what a great idea. And, and I always say, man, it is a great idea, isn't it? it? It's not my idea, but it's a great one though, isn't it? And what I mean by that is when I first started the program 12 years ago, m my idea was I had, when I graduated specifically my bio, when I graduated from business school, I went to work in finance for about a year and a half. Okay. And it, whew, it was like hot coals being stuck in my eyes every morning when I like walked into the office. And this is, that is not a, that is not an, indi an indication of finance. The, I, I had the opportunity to do it at Goldman Sachs. It's a wonderful firm. I, I, I worked with unbelievably smart, intelligent, talented people. No, it was hot coals being stuck in my eyes because of me, not because of them or the industry or it, just, just me. It just gotcha. wasn't the right fit for me. And, um, and one of the things I did while I was in finance toward the end of my time there was I volunteered. And if I could get out of work on certain nights, I would go volunteer at a local prep school in Boston as an assistant lacrosse coach. As I okay. said, I played college lacrosse. Yeah. I, I, and when I was there, what I noticed was uh, that a lot of the prep schools that, well, their prep school, Belmont Hill, and other prep schools that they played against, they all had these unbelievable strength and conditioning facilities. But at best, there would be maybe a science teacher in the weight room, uh, you know, checking kids in, making sure they didn't kill themselves. And my idea when I started the program was, you know what, we're going to have hourly strength and conditioning coaches. We'll vet them, we'll, we'll uh, train them to our standards, and then we'll, the school will pay us to provide these 
uh, hourly strength and conditioning coaches because it doesn't pay them to have a full-time guy because the weight room's only used about three hours a day. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So that was my idea. And in year one, we actually did do that. We had three clients that did that. But about a week before, a week after I started the program, the head coach of Harvard men's lacrosse, John Tillman, who is now the head coach of Maryland lacrosse and in the past 10 years is the single winningest college lacrosse coach, uh, having won a national championship during that time, he had just taken over at Harvard. Well, John Tillman, Coach Tillman, had been an assistant coach at Navy when the last thing I did in the Marine Corps was go back to the Navy, to the Naval Academy and work there. When I showed up on campus, he had the head coach, the head men's lacrosse coach, who had been my head coach when I played there, said some lacrosse players had gotten in trouble. And he called me and said, hey, Cap, can you come down here and just wear these guys out for a couple days? They got in okay. trouble. You do what your workouts with them. So, Colin, that's what I did. I just wore them out for a few days. Yeah. Well, now fast forward a few years later, the assistant coach on that team, John Tillman, is now the head coach at Harvard, just got named the head coach. Yep. He calls me up after being there for about a week and says, Cap, I just took over one of the softest teams on the softest campuses and the softest sports. You know, can, can you come here and just wear these guys out like you did at Navy? So that's what I did, Colin. But when I was on campus with them, I would call out the team captains to come and lead some of the exercises with me. And these are great young men. I mean, smart, intelligent, talent. I mean, all these things, good people, everything. They were just pretty bad at leading basic exercises for their team. Their communication was poor. Their command presence was poor. What they thought their role and responsibility as a team captain was, well, what we think, wrong. So from that, we, from that first event, I got the idea of, man, you know, maybe they've got strength and conditioning coaches. They don't need people to make, make them bigger, faster, stronger. In, in all the time I spent with them, the things that they were talking about the most were about, hey, Cap, thanks. That, that really helped me, like, be able to communicate better with my team. Interesting, yeah. To do those things. And that's what kind of put the seed in my head of doing so. So in our first year in business, we did three types of events like that. From that one event, I ended up just calling other coaches that I played for or against or with yep. to do what we do. Now, from those first three teams, now if you see what we do, and, and, I, and I always want to make sure I highlight, Colin, I use the pronoun I, and I'm proud of being the founder. I founded the program. Yep. Let me just, I can't say it fast enough. I would be out of business if it weren't for the we. We have made it what it is today. Interesting. What, what were you looking for? Because obviously you started out by yourself. You know, what were you looking for when you started to build your team? Oh, looking for in, in teammates that I would yeah, hire yeah. into my team? Yep. Colin, a couple of books that I would recommend to any leader. Well, first and foremost, it's our book that we just had published in September. Okay, that, I want your readers yeah. to start there, okay? And what's the name of that for but everyone? The program. It's That's named so after, it's, it's after our, our, our company, Easy okay? It's, awesome. it's called The Program, okay? Easy enough. But very early on, when I, when I founded the program, my company, I had the opportunity, all right, I, I'm a voracious reader. I constantly read. And a few of the books that made a huge impact on me were Jim Collins, Good to Great and Built to Last, okay. both of those books. And 
in fact, Built to Last, I carried, you know how much Built to Last made an impact on me, Colin? I carried Built to Last with me up and down Mount Everest. Really? Now, if you ever are into mountaineering, you understand what that means because you don't want to carry one ounce of extra weight than, that you have to. Makes well, sense. I carried this book up and down the mountain with me. That's how impactful it was for me, okay? And one of, uh, one of the great lessons I took from both those books and then uh, another book called The Advantage uh, is the, the importance of core values. And that core values form the foundation of your culture. What you do can, and, and it probably will change over time, who you are is a constant. As I write in my book, who we are as individuals is generally set by the age of nine. And it's definitely set by the age of 12. So as a leader of an organization, define what it means to be you, who we are. Those core values, and I did it very early on at the program, we're selfless, tough, and disciplined. That's who we are, Colin. Selfless, tough, and disciplined. Selfless means you put the team first. Tough means you do what's right, not what's easy. Mm. Tough, I'm sorry, tough means do what's right, not what's easy. Discipline means you do what you say you are going to do. When I recruited the, the first few people, and now who we all recruit at the program, Sure, there's certain things. We, we look for guys, men and women with military background, absolutely. But we have lit literally hundreds of applicants for open jobs who have a military background. But we interview them or a, and or have them work with us, and they're not selfless, tough, or disciplined. Selfless, tough, and disciplined is what gets you hired and or fired at the program. That's what I've been looking for and I continue to look for in every single teammate that we have at the program. That's amazing. How many people do you have on your team right now? We have a dozen full time and then we will use six other men, you know, men and women that we consider them to be full time teammates of ours. We treat them like a full time teammate. But as an example, they might be firefighters or they might be policemen or police or you know uh, in some role where they might work 20 or 25 events with us but they're not truly full-time with us Very so cool. about 18 but 12 full-time cool, cool cool what does an event typically look like for you like when you're putting these together you sit down with with teams whether it's in business setting or an athletic setting what is a what is a yeah. typical day sort of look like well, the athletic teams, college athletic teams, Colin, it's, it's very straightforward because there's so many parameters up around the number of hours college student athletes can participate in things. And there's, there's so many things that if, if you're a college coach calling us, I can almost just send you a piece of paper that says here, it doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter, you know, male, female, whatever. It's just, here you go. This is what it is. And in by and large, it's always a season long engagement. It starts with two days of training with corporations though. And I would think that probably most of your audience is, is from a more of a 
you know, listening from a corporate environment for, for corporations, our flagship service, what we're better. And I, and I don't hesitate saying this, what we're the best in the world at is our experiential leadership development and team building training. That's what we're best in the world at. We call it our leadership challenge. That leadership challenge, we will do everything with some corporations that are just doing a company offsite for three days and they want to do a, a team building event, but they want it to be more impactful than a, uh, either a ropes course or more impactful than uh, karaoke or more impactful than, you know, some sort of uh, treasure hunt or something like that. Right. They want to get better. And uh, so maybe they will hire me to well, hire the program, but I'll be the keynote speaker at a dinner the night before. The following morning, we'll do our experiential training. One of our four different leadership challenges that we we have small as an I'll use one of those for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this summer, maybe a team will want to do our small boat leadership challenge. Okay. We'll take rubber Zodiac boats, paddles, K-Pock life jackets, pumps, and other gear and equipment uh, out to a resort. We'll have it set up on a beach. After my keynote address the night before about leadership and attacking adversity, where I, I show a video of a, the helicopter crash that my Marines and I were involved in, I show pictures from Mount Everest, kind of a typical uh, motivational speech, but yep. we're teaching there the standards for being great teammates and the standards for being great team leaders. The following morning during our experiential training, that team has a chance to develop their skills of becoming better teammates and developing better team leaders. We'll have, say we'll have um, a 60 person group. The number does not matter, but just let's say it's 60 people. Yep. We'll, we'll have the boat teams broken up into 10 person boat teams. Okay. Either the company can tell us or we'll ask for a volunteer boat team leader for every boat team. Gotcha. The first exercise that we do out there is boat prep. You got to get the boats blown up within a certain amount of time. We show the boat team leaders how to blow the boats up what gear and equipment they have to use to do so. And we set the time standard for acceptable performance. They then have to go back to their boat crews, explain it to them, work on our communication. As a leader, communication is key. We take exception to the term lead by example. Everybody always wants to talk to us about this person who works to superhuman levels. Yeah. They prepare as best as they can. They give 100% every single day, but they're quite kind of quiet. They don't say anything. They lead by example. Stop saying it. That's a lie. We do not lead. I know what the term lead by example starts with. I mean, Marine Corps uses it all the time, but it also includes, yes, you, you have to do what you say for other people to do, but then you have to be able to effectively communicate it too. Totally. That, effect, that effective communication piece, Colin, has been forgotten. So now it's just, well, that person leads by example because they work really hard and they show up early and they prepare great. No, that's not leadership. That's being, that's part of being a great teammate. Great leadership is, yeah, but can you get everybody to do it too? That requires effective communication. So in our training, after we show the boat team leaders how to do it and what to do and what needs to be done, they then have to bring that and communicate it to their boat crews. Then we start. And usually it looks like a yard sale. There's yelling, screaming, boats <laughs> being flipped over, I pumps bet. going mission. And one boat crew, though, may have their boat completely inflated within the time limit. 
and they start high-fiving each other, chest bumping each other, talking trash to the boat crews around them. And then the time, and then the time hits, and all the boats get deflated. And the boat crews that's, that's high-fiving each other are saying, wait, what are you talking about? We have our boats inflated. And then we'll remind the boat crew leader, remember, it's not about your boat being blown up to the standard. We accomplish this when all of the boats are blown up to a standard. So do your job, but then look left and right and help your teammates do theirs too. That will be... We'll, we'll spend sometimes, Colin, we'll spend two hours just getting boats blown up until they're blown up to a standard. And by the way, depending on the physicality of the group that we work with, immediately, boats don't get blown up to standard. Okay, everybody, link arms. Take two steps out into the water. Okay, now lean back. Okay, now roll over. Crawl up onto the beach. Roll left, roll right. Now we're sugar cookied, right, Colin? Now we've got sand all over yeah. us. You can imagine... Now, if, they're, if it's a company that's in incredible shape, you know, we work with, you know, some younger companies, some younger industries. Uh, I'll use, the, I'll use uh, Red Bull as an example. Okay. We have the privilege of working with Red Bull. Tends to be a younger crowd, more, you know, pretty physically fit crowd. Boy, we're able to, hey, now, now that we're sugar cookied, we're going to do push-ups, flutter kicks, mountain climbers, jumping jacks, the, the bridge or plank, right? We call it the bridge. Other companies, man, just getting them wet, oh boy, that is way outside of some companies' comfort zone. And now, hey, let's get back on the boats. And now we're going to give you more time. Communicate the plan. Execute on that plan. And we're going to retry it. That's what we do, Colin. That's awesome. Do you ever find, like, as you're working with these companies and they're going through these experiences that afterwards, maybe a company leader will will look at someone else and be like, wow, like this person can really step up or who we thought was the leader isn't necessarily the leader. Colin, great question. And, and very astute as well, because all of our training is set up based on the idea that everybody's a hero when it's 70 degrees and sunny out. Everybody is. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not when you need them, Colin. We need great teammates and great team leaders when it's not. There leaders will then start to think like, you know what, God, that person, boy, they do communicate a lot and they do have a great attitude. Yeah. When they're doing well. Mm. Yeah. When we're having a good quarter here, but actually when things get tight here, when, when things aren't going well, actually, I, I, it's actually this person really yeah. that I, that, that, that more people go to that they lean on more and maybe I need to help elevate their position within the team. Absolutely. You, again, we can teach people how to be better teammates. You can teach people how to be better team leaders in a climate controlled room. Yeah, but you don't develop those skills in a climate controlled so room. So true. And that's not where you need them the most, just like you said. Everyone, anyone could be a great leader when it's 70 degrees and sunny, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on, on any Colin, on any battlefield, I, yeah. I, I, we're talking maybe you know maybe, maybe talking about corporate America here. Yep. But I, I don't care whether it's the military, uh, and I shouldn't say corporate America, corporate North America. We work. We're down in uh, Mexico a, a fair amount. We love going down there. It's the same every everywhere on any battlefield. Whether you're talking about countries, uh, industry, sport, everybody's a hero when things are going well. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not when you need them. What, who are your teammates? Who are your team leaders when things are not going well? I love that. 
Talk to me a little bit about the book. I mean, you wrote this in September, you said? The program? Yes. Um, well, yeah, we, we wrote it all of 2019. It was published in, at, in, you know, end of <laughs> September, beginning of October. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what, uh, you know, for people wanting to grab a copy of it, what's like the, the core message when someone reads the book, what do you want them to take away from it? I'm sure there's a lot, but is there sort of one thing that you're like, I really want this to hit home? Well, you know, I want to quote, uh, and I just heard this and, and it really stuck with me because it's a very succinct way of, of talking about what, what we're doing as an organization. And Coach Matt Rule, he was the head coach at Baylor football. He's not, he just got named the new head coach at, 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 uh, for the Carolina Panthers right. in the NFL, yep. okay? Yep. Coach Rule was talking at, a, at the AFCA, which is the college football convention uh, in, in, uh, in Nashville last week. And he, he gave a really great shout out to the program and our work with them. But during that presentation, he talked about what he's always looking for in his players is competitiveness. But then he said, but let me define what competitive means to me. Competitive means to me, what competitive means to me is, and to us as a, as a team, and now what it means to us at, at the Carolina Panthers is, you don't ever finish second to yourself. Just try to be, always try to be the best that you can be. What, and that is going to mean very different things to, to, to everybody. And as we discuss in the book, and what we're talking about in the book is that our individual talent, whatever it is, and however much it, we have, it will allow us to achieve something in life. It will allow us to do well, whatever well might mean. Yep. Because individuals and individual talent, that's what that does. It allows us to win games, the proverbial games. But great teams compete for championships on any battlefield. And great teams are comprised of great teammates and great team leaders. Great teammates, Colin, consistently meet and exceed two standards. Number one, they meet and exceed the standards of their organization. They set the example in everything that they do, number one. Number two, great teammates hold their teammates accountable to achieving it, too. We appreciate that we all want to be good friends at the program. But you go to the movies with good friends, and you go True. to battle with great teammates. Because by holding each other accountable, that's how we make each other the best versions of ourselves. And by the way, accountability need not be negative, nor should it. Yes, hold people accountable if they're falling short of the standard. Make sure we hold people accountable when they are meeting and exceeding the standard as well. Great teammates are held to two standards. Great team leaders are held to two standards. Great team leaders accomplish the mission. And, and we, we, take th this, we take it as a given, and we know it's not always the case, but we're assuming that the reader who's in a leadership position is going to accomplish the mission ethically, morally, yep. spiritually, to, to, to the appropriately. But great leaders are held to two standards. Number one, mission accomplishment. Number two, did you take care of your teammates? Taking care of your teammates means as a leader, make every decision you ever make with the team's best interest at heart first. Well, Colin, that idea of being great teammates and great team leaders, yes, it's meant for 
athletic teams. Yes, it's meant as the standards as a corporate teammate and a corporate team leader. And it's most definitely meant as a father, a mother, a husband, a wife for Team Capitulic in this case. Trying to be the best teammate and best team leader that I can be on the team that means the most to me, which is my family, this team, this family team. That our book we wrote with the intention of helping people do so. Well, that's amazing. I, I'm super excited to check this out. For people who want to learn more about it, where's the best place everyone can grab a copy and learn more about you? Well, they can certainly go. I'd, I'd rather they learn about us at the program than me. I've just told every, every, everything I've ever done in my Absolutely. life. I've just told you're listening. But to learn more about us and, and to purchase the book, they can either go to our website, theprogram.org, or you can certainly find our book at Amazon and at on Barnes & Noble. Beautiful. Well, I will share both those links to make it super simple. Eric, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, educating us, man. This was super impactful to me and I know it is for the listeners as well. Hey, Colin, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'll tell you what, this is the first for me because it's the first podcast I've ever done. Okay. The the first pot. Well, hold on a second. I've done other podcasts, but this is the first podcast that I've ever done where the guy who owns it used the word shit in the podcast so <laughs> i like i'm like fired up right now because uh i always have to uh i'm always checking myself when i'm when i'm getting recorded or anything else so i'm fired up that's what got me excited to do it here today so appreciate you gotta it. be real you gotta be real. gotta be real that hey be authentic man absolutely well thank you so much again everyone hope you enjoyed today's episode be sure you hit that subscribe button we'd love to hear your thoughts share a comment also share this out with a friend who you feel like this would truly impact positively we'll be back with another episode until then colin morgan signing off and always remember to keep on grinding lower the lights down hand over my crown